You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. We are looking at the fourth church uh, in the book of Revelation. Paul receives a, a, a vision from Jesus while he's on the island of Patmos. And Jesus is, is writing through John. John's dictating a letter to seven churches. Someone say seven. Seven is a, it's a number that represents completeness. So we know that Jesus isn't just speaking to those seven churches at that point. There was all sorts of other churches in, in Asia Minor, but he speaks to seven because those seven churches and what Jesus says to those seven churches would end up representing what Jesus would say to the capital C church, all the churches throughout all the church age, even down to today, what Jesus would say to the church today. So as we've been studying these, there's a ton of applications, a lot to learn. And so I'm gonna ask you to lean in today as we look at this fourth one. You pray with me? God, as we open up your word right now, I ask that you'd anoint me to preach your word, but God, I pray you'd anoint us to hear what it is you desire to say to us. God, I pray that as I share, God, all that I've been studying and praying over this week, that God, you would just ignite these words by your spirit. God, we wanna leave here different than we came in here. We wanna hear from you. We're not sitting in this room on accident. God, we're not listening online right now on accident. You brought us into this moment for a reason. So God, we, we, we lean in. There's anticipation in our hearts. So we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church, amen and amen. Well, today we're gonna look at the fourth church that Jesus, um, through Paul, dictates a letter to. And this is the church of Thyatira. Thyatira was one of the smallest cities, but they get the longest letter, and not all of it is good. And so let's look at this together and bring out application as Jesus is challenging us today and encouraging us today and wanting to help set us free to live in everything that he's called us to live in. Now, last week I gave a warning. I said, this message has a warning label. It's going, there's gonna be parts where you might wanna squirm. And today that same warning label is on this message. We gotta, we gotta, scripture forces us to dig a little deeper and to have some conversations that we don't always wanna have, but that we need to have so that we can leave here healthy, okay? Amen? And so here's what he says to the church of Thyatira over in the book of Revelation. It would be Revelation chapter two, verses 18 through 29. This is what it says. To the angel of the church of Thyatira write, the words of the son of God who has eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are of varnished bronze. Now, we, we know that the way that Jesus introduces himself is important because how he introduces himself always has a little glimpse of what he's about to uh, address with that church. Remember last week, Jesus introduced himself. Do you remember as, as one having the sword that came out of his mouth? In other words, he was getting ready to use the word of God to help cut some things from their life, amen? Well, today he shows up with eyes like fire and feet like bronze. What's it tell us? The eyes of fire, meaning Jesus, listen everybody, he sees all things. He knows all things. Now he sees all, everything that's happening in your, in your inner being, in your thought life. He sees everything happening in our government. He sees everything happening in, in every aspect of who we are. And the fire simply means that, and he judges all things, right? 
All things stand open before him. The Bible says that nothing is hidden from God's eyes. Someone say amen or woe is me, but say one or the other, okay? And then it says he has feet like bronze. What's that mean? Well, that was the strongest metal known to them back in the day. And so here's what he's saying is, is that Jesus shows up with eyes to judge and he's not moving. We move, not God, amen? God is standing firm on his judgments. He's standing firm on what he's about to talk to this church about. So he says, I know your works. He says, you have faith and you have service and you're patient and in your endurance and, and your latter works, this is kind of cool. He says, your latter works exceed your first. When do you want Jesus to say that about you? Like, you're getting better. You're, you're, what you're doing now is better than what you were doing at first, Okay. I mean, I want that. And you listen to this and you're like, sign me up for that church. Let's go there. Everything's going great, it looks like, in this church. But, but here's what he says in, in typical Jesus revelation fashion. It's the, it's the conversation sandwich, right? The, you come on, you know the sandwich. You tell them a little bit of good and then you go to where you need to go and then you tell them a little bit of good. So Jesus told you a little good, but now he's like, let's, let's deal with the substance here, what we need to talk about. He says, I know your works, you love your faith and all this. He says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate. Someone say tolerate. That you tolerate that woman Jezebel. And we're gonna learn a little bit about Jezebel. That woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, because she refuses to repent, he says, I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation. Unless they repent of their works, I will strike her children dead. In other words, if they don't repent, there is no future. Their future is bleak. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart. I see all things. And I will give to each one according to their works, according to what is happening within your heart and your mind and in your life. And he goes on to say this. Anyone glad they came to church today? You hanging out with me? Come on, amen. You're like, whoa. But to the rest in Thyatira. In other words, to those of you who aren't giving in to everything happening with Jezebel. To the rest in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I don't lay on you any other burden. In other words, there's nothing else I want to talk to you about. Like, this is the main thing. You got to deal with this in your midst. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthly pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself has received authority from the Father, I will also give them the morning star. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, let's look at what's happening here in Thyatira and what Jesus is talking about as he, as he writes to this church. To understand what is happening in this letter and what Jesus is addressing, I think it's important you understand a couple things about Thyatira. Thyatira, again, was one of the smallest cities that letters were written to. But it was, it was a very uh, prominent uh, trade city. In other words, in this city was where, you know, people who, it was kind of your blue collar workers. And so people who worked with leather, people who worked with uh, uh, 
garments, people who worked with iron. It's that kind of, of, of city. And what they did in the city is that they, they formed these, these, labor, these labor unions within the city. And they, they were called trade guilds. And if you lived anywhere in Asia and you, you had some work that needed to be done in Asia Minor, you would reach out to one of these trade guilds that were stationed there in Thyatira and you would hire them to come and, you know, whether it was make curtains for you or, or do some woodworking and all of that, you would hire one of these trade guilds. So if you were a, a blue collar worker and you were living in, you would probably move to Thyatira and in Thyatira you would join one of these trade guilds so that you could have more work. Everyone, that makes sense so far, everybody? Okay, so here's the problem, is that the trade guilds would hold their meetings in the pagan, uh, in the pagan um, places of idolatry, or in the pagan synagogues. And what they would do is they would go in, and, and, and before their meeting, they would, they would go ahead and, and eat the food that was offered to those false idols. And then after their meeting in that pagan Sanctuary. They would invite in the pagan temples uh, prostitutes and they would have parties after their meeting. And if you were part of one of these trade guilds, you were actually expected to participate in all of these pagan practices that were happening in these pagan temples there in Thyatira. Now, if you're a Christian, that proposes quite a problem, right? And here's what's happening in the church in Thyatira is that instead of resisting it and standing against it, someone say allow. They were allowing it. Jesus says to the church, you are allowing this woman Jezebel to teach and to pull my people away. Scripture says there's this Jezebel that's promoting these things that are happening within this pagan temple. Now, it's not likely that there's an actual woman living there in Thyatira at that church named Jezebel. No one really named their kids Jezebel because if you knew Jezebel, you probably didn't name your kid Jezebel. And so there probably wasn't an actual Jezebel in that church. But the spirit of Jezebel was very much alive within that church. Maybe there was somebody, an actual person, maybe a gal there in the church that was carrying that spirit of, of Jezebel. So who is this Jezebel? Real quick. Jezebel um, was the daughter of Ethbaal in Old Testament. And Ethbaal was the king of Tyre and he was a Baal priest, okay? When Jezebel ended up marrying, Jezebel ended up marrying Ahab, the king of Israel. Some of you remember this. Jezebel married Ahab, the king of Israel. And watch everybody, she led the king of Israel to begin worshiping Baal. And then she went on a, uh, she launched a campaign to try and seduce all of Israel to worship Baal as well. So she had on her payroll at one point, this lady Jezebel had on her payroll over 850 or 850 prophets, 450 prophets of Baal and 450 or 400 prophets of Asher. Some of you know this, it's kind of ringing some bells. You remember, remember Elijah, remember the story of Elijah, anybody, Elijah at Mount Carmel? Come on, show me your hands, some of you guys remember. What happened at Mount Carmel? Well, at Mount Carmel, 
You got Elisha, he's completely sick and tired of all the children of Israel worshiping God, but also kind of worshiping Baal and these, and these uh, other, other gods. And so he gathers them all together. Do you remember this? And he says, bring me everybody. Bring, bring me the whole, all, every, all the children of Israel gathered together at Mount Carmel. He says, and by the way, bring, bring these, these prophets of Baal and Asher that are on Jezebel's payroll. He brings them all in, and I, I love, you gotta love, you gotta love how Elijah rolls. He's, he's like, listen, in front of everybody, he says, and if we could bring that up, in front of everybody, he says, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah stands in front of everybody, and he says this. He went in front of the people, and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? He says, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if the Lord is God, then follow him. Come on, everybody, listen. How long will you waver between two opinions? How long, he says, how long will you worship the one and living true God, but also submit yourself to these false gods? How long are you gonna let that happen in your midst? And if you know the rest of the story, he holds a little, like, little battle. He, he, remember, he puts together an altar and he says, let's see, let's see whose God can call down fire from heaven. And he lets them go for, he says, you go ahead and go first. And they're out there dancing around the altar and everything. And, and Elijah's like, maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's using the restroom. Maybe he's busy doing something else. Literally, that's in your Bible. Read your Bible, it's very interesting. And when they're done with their thing, Elijah says, he says, God, call down, would you bring fire down from heaven? It says, fire came from heaven and, and absolutely engulfed that altar there in front of everybody. Elijah turns, do you remember, and he has those 850 prophets of Baal and Asher killed with a sword, and then Jezebel is angry and comes running for Elijah's life. Jezebel, Jezebel. Jezebel was this one, watch, that led God's people to begin to worship some other things to allow the worship of other things within their life. And the church at Thyatira was allowing it as well. They had great things going on, everybody. But they allowed things that should never be allowed. They were showing up to church on Sunday, but then going to the pagan temples on Tuesday for the meeting and maybe they, when they first came they told themselves listen I'm just going to go I'm just going to go but I'm not going to do I'm not going to do any of it I'm just going to go but their going eventually led to doing and then they said well I'm not going to hang out afterwards and the temple prostitutes not going to be a part of that I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm just going to leave at that moment but eventually they started come on they started compromising they started giving in they began to allow things in their midst that should have never been allowed in their midst and Jesus says this I have one thing against you come on that you're allowing you're allowing this Jezebel spirit to pull people away from the way they should be walking and into some things that they know that they shouldn't be doing. Does that, my friends, have any application for the church today? Absolutely. You see, it's still a struggle today, isn't it, church? We give in to this spirit of Jezebel that just allows, that we, when we allow ourselves to wander, we allow ourselves to wander from what we know is right 
and on into some things that maybe are kind of iffy and maybe I don't know if I really should, but, but God will still love me and, and I think it'll be and you justify and you, right, you just kind of diminish the reality of how actually bad that is for you. And so I just wonder, I want to look at me as I lead you through this really quick. As awkward as it might be, I need you to just identify right now within your heart and your life, listen, is there anything that you're allowing? Jesus to the church is like, you've got to stop allowing. Come on, is there anything that you're allowing? If we're going to apply the, the words of Jesus to Thyatira, we have to apply the words of Jesus to our own lives and ask ourselves, come on, is there anything that we're allowing. We show up on Sunday and we, we love God and we worship and we sing the songs, we celebrate. Come on, we do all that. But then through the week, I show up to work and man, there's just some things that I'm allowing, some things I'm doing I know I shouldn't do. Some things I, I say that I know I shouldn't say. Some, come on, some places I visit online that though I know I shouldn't visit. Maybe even places I told myself I'll never visit. But here I find myself, come on, giving in to this voice, this Jezebel-type spirit, and I'm allowing myself to wander. It says that Jezebel seduced the children of Israel. Literally what that means is she caused them to wander off the path. Where have you wandered? What have you allowed? And we've allowed ourselves to, to harbor hatred in our heart. We've allowed ourselves to, to look at pornography and, and then go, oh, you know, it's, I, I'm not... We've allowed ourselves, maybe, maybe there's gossip. Come on, you say, I, I'm, I just, I'm allowing it. And I know it's not right, but, but I, I, you know what I do is I, I cover it under the banner. I'm just, I'm, pr- I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. Just happens to be out loud in front of everybody, all their issues. God, God help them. You know, Lord, all them and all this stuff. They, and we're, come on, we allow some stuff within our hearts. We allow unforgiveness. We allow ourselves to hold grudges. Come on, I just need to ask you, and I don't think I need to dig that deep before you just kind of go, man, there's some stuff I'm allowing in my life. I need you to understand this up front. As to the church in Thyatira, anything you allow that God says not to allow always destroys you. It always leads to death. It always, come on, it always overpromises you and underdelivers. It's always that that's holding you back. It's always that, that that holds you down and suppresses you. It's always that that God wants to address in our life because it's that that holds us in bondage. It's that, come on, that you need to deal with. Jesus says you're allowing it. In other words, watch, you don't have to allow it. And here's what I want you to understand in the rest of our time together. Is that if we're gonna apply this letter in the words of Jesus to our lives, you've gotta realize, come on, there's some things that maybe we've allowed that God wants to set you free from. There's some things that you've, you've justified, some things we've rationalized, that God just wants to show up today and go, hey, instead of justifying and, and rationalizing, how about, how about we get free from it? How about we don't allow it anymore? How come, how, how about we just step out from it and live 
a new way, walking in everything that God has for our lives. And I think today, as Jesus would speak to the church of Thyatira, showing up with eyes like fire and feet like bronze, he says, come on, let me help you move. Let me help you get some healing. Let me help you get some freedom. And I wonder if there's any of you that need to be set free today. Do you know you can? Come on, in Jesus' name, you can. Can I get a better amen, church? Amen? Like Jesus wants to set you free. Now, how? How do we step into freedom? Now that I've walked you into, okay, Chris, let me help you walk you from it. James chapter one, verse 12 says this, blessed is the man who endures or resists temptation. Come on, you, you know what temptation is? I think anyone who's ever dieted knows what temptation is, right? Come on, right? Temptation is the thing you know you shouldn't eat that's like literally calling your name. Like you can't help it. I can't tell you how many times in, in New Year's resolutions I've told myself that I am not gonna drink dark soda. Okay, I'm just, I'm done with it. I know it's bad for me, I'm done with it. But I have, I have a weakness for root beer, everybody. Can I just confess to you my weaknesses? Come on, somebody, right? And then you can't get me, you can't get me anywhere near that olive market, come on. And they're like 20 something different root beers without me going, well, maybe just once, maybe just today. And before you know it, I've given back into my addiction and it's just over for me, it's over for me. See, temptation is that thing that, that, that says, come on. You know you shouldn't, but would you just, someone say allow, allow, allow. You see, what Jesus was addressing in the church was an allowance. They're making allowance for things that were tempting them, allowance for things that were drawing them away. And so listen, we all have temptations. We all have different pulls. But what I want you to understand today is you don't have to bow to those pulls. You don't have to allow those pools. Come on, there's going to be, okay, if I could build this for you, ready? A, there is going to be pool in your life toward things that you, that will always destroy you. Remember last week we talked about the lust of the flesh, right? There's going to be pools in your life. There's going to be this Jezebel type spirit. There might even be people in your life that go, come on, Let's just go to the party. Come on, let's just go to the temple. You're gonna get more work if you show up. But wait, they're worshiping false gods. Ow, it's not a big deal. Come on. There's always gonna be pull, right? And sometimes it's, it's from people. But often, most likely, even if it's from people, it's always trying to pull something that's from within. Okay, this is really important. Please hang with me. There's always gonna be a pull. And what you need to understand if you're gonna conquer that pool, that, that, that Jezebel type pool toward things that are not of God, you gotta understand this next layer is that that pool actually comes from within you. Now, you, you hear that and you're like, well, that doesn't seem that important. It's really important. James actually goes on to say, every man is drawn away by their own desires and enticed. Someone say own desires own desires and entice. Why, why am I giving that as that next building block? There's always gonna be a pull, the pull comes from within you. Because here's what happens and why a lot of us don't get set free from the things that constantly hold us down. Is that we don't actually own that pull. In other words, we blame it on everybody else. And if I'm blaming it on everybody else, I actually can't be free from it. 
Jesus doesn't show up to the church in Thyatira and say, oh, you guys, I get it. You know, you can't, you can't resist. You can't resist that Jezebel. She's just too strong. She just too, that's not what he does. He goes, hey, you're allowing it. In other words, it's not all Jezebel's fault. You're giving her permission. You're giving her room. You're allowing that voice to continue. You, it, it, see, the issue's inside of, inside of you. You see, if I don't start there, come on, are you guys following me? If I don't start there with just owning it, I'm gonna blame it on everybody. It's everybody's fault. I'll never get healed of it if it's everybody's fault. So here's what we do. A lot of us, it's not our fault. It's God's fault. Listen, if I wasn't in these circumstances, if God didn't, if God didn't put me in a circumstance where I'm having a hard time paying my bills, then I wouldn't have to go and cheat on, on these business deals. Come on, guys, just love me. I'm just, you with me? I wouldn't have to go and cheat and kind of fudge the numbers a little bit. I wouldn't have to do that if, if God didn't. You see, it's God's fault. I'm backed in a corner here. It's God's fault. Listen to me, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. The desire to twist and, 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 and cheat and, and, and lie, that, that comes from within you. That's not, that's not God's fault. Well, it's not God's fault. Maybe it's not God's fault. It's Satan's fault. The devil made me do it. Understand, friends, the devil can't make you do anything. Let me say it again. The devil cannot make you. The enemy cannot make you do anything. Now, sure, the enemy knows what what lures you away and he for sure will send those lures in front of you to try to lure you away, but he can't make you or force you to follow. Are you guys getting this? Okay, so here's what, it, let me just make it real practical. You made me lash out. No, come on. You're never gonna find healing if that's your language. You chose to lash out. You, don't give people that much power. You made me mad. No, no, you chose to be mad. Do you see where we're going? I have to allow myself to have that kind of language or else I'm never gonna get healed. Why? Because it's never my fault. It's never, see, I'm just a victim. I'm a victim. Are we okay, church, you hanging out with me? If I'm always a victim, I can never be healed. You see, like, like, no one forced you to lash out. No one forced you to, to throw yourself into, into, into the, that drinking. And no one forced you in, into that language. No one forced you into, no one's forcing you. It's not anyone else's fault. It doesn't come from anywhere else but from within me. You see, nothing can force me. I allowed me. I allowed me. It came from within me. And once I realize that, there's always gonna be a pull. The pull comes from within me. It's my, listen, it puts the ball back in my court to deal with this so that I can listen to Jesus when he says, hey, here's what I have against you. You're allowing Jezebel in your midst. You're, you're giving into this Jezebel spirit. There's desires that come from within me that, entice me. Someone say entice. Entice, 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 entice. So here's how temptation works. Here's how it gets its power. Is it entices you. Now, what, is, what does enticement mean? It means it gets your attention. I would, I would come home from school, in high school, and sometimes I'd walk in the house, and my mom would, she'd bake these cookies, 
ridiculous. They, they smelled so oh, good. I'm telling you, like chocolate chip cookies, you walk in the house and it's, it's, it, it just, boom, it just hits you. Like, yes, there's cookies. Now, without fail, I'd run over to where the cookies were. They were covered in tinfoil and there'd be a note that said, do not touch for Bunko. Because remember, Bunko, come on, do not touch. Mom making cookies. They're not for me. They're for Bunko. Okay, I share that with you because here's what happens. Here's what happens. Okay, there's always going to be a pool. The pool comes from within me. I walk into the house and there's a pool. Why? Because the cookies smell so good. What's that called? I'm enticed. They have my attention. Okay, it's the same word used, any, any fisherman in here, come on, come on. It's the same word used, uh, it's that, that's used when you, you get a, a fish to be enticed by bait or a lure. You want to find a lure that when you actually get it across that fish's face, it goes, not, not like, ah, you want it to go, huh, okay, I'm going to follow that, right? And so here's what happens, watch, these, these, these desires in me become enticed. Things get my attention, Right? I, I'm now thinking about the cookies. I, I want a cookie. I, I, I run over to where the cookies are. Now watch this. Here's the power of what I'm sharing with you. And I take it, push it into this next thing. This, okay? This is the moment of truth. You are going to be enticed and there are going to be pools and there are going to be Jezebel type people and spirits that try to pull you away from all that God has for you. I mean, they are waiting for you at, at work this week. They, they are waiting for you. It says even within the church, there's people that are like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's not. a. But you know, it's a big deal for me. And they're going to come around and they're going to pull and there's going to be something this week or maybe in this moment that is just enticing you. It's like, huh? Here's your moment of truth. You've got one or two options. This is what Jesus is showing to this church. And going, come on, stop, stop allowing it. Because here's your options. You can, you ready? You only get two. You can either flee from it. Someone say flee. Or you can flirt with it. Someone say flirt. Here's, here, say it another way. You can either avoid it or to use our word or allow it. Jesus was concerned for the church in Thyatira because they were allowing themselves to flirt with, give in to, keep around, come on, this Jezebel type spirit. You could flee or you can flirt. You could avoid or you could allow. Flee. Flee. What's it mean? It means Run! Like literally, if you have to remove yourself from the temptation, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, so flee, run from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee, it means seek safety by running away. Remember Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Says that Potiphar's wife grabbed Joseph's, Joseph's cloak and said, lie with me. And it says in scripture that she was a good looking girl. But Joseph said, no, thank you. And he literally, the word, he fled the scene. He ran, left his cloak, first streaker in the Bible. Just run and go, nope, not going not go there, not going to allow that to happen. He did what you're supposed to do. He fleed. If you're not fleeing, watch, here's what you're doing. You're flirting. You're allowing. See, this is your other option. 
It means, and it's what Jesus was talking to the church of Thyatira about, they were entertaining the temptation, allowing the temptation, justifying it. They were, they were excusing it. They're going into the kitchen for a better smell, peeling back the foil, just kind of wondering if there's walnuts because I love walnuts in my cookies. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna have one. I'm just gonna look at them. Just get a better smell. What is that? Come on. That's called flirting with it. I was tempted when I walked in the house, but instead of like, nope, nope, nope. It says, I went over and it peeled back the foil. What? I'm flirting. I'm not avoiding. Now, now here's what you need to understand. Is if you're not fleeing, you'll start flirting. And if you start flirting, you're falling. Come on, say it again. If you're not fleeing, you'll start flirting. And if you're flirting, you're falling. I'm trying to get you to see that the battle isn't just won or lost in whether or not you allow the action. It's in whether or not you allow the flirting, you allow the temptation, you allow the voice, you allow the influence, you allow the Jezebel to keep inviting you without putting boundaries up. You allow, come on, you allow this in your life. You, uh, you, uh, you allow yourself to have a computer down in the room where no one else knows about. You allow yourself to get up late at night and, and go to places you know you should have You allow yourself, even though you know you struggle with alcohol, it's always been an issue, but I'm gonna allow myself to just kind of walk around that section at the grocery store, kind of wondering what new things are. I'm, I'm allowing myself to get in situations I know I shouldn't be in because, you know, I'm just kind of wondering. I'm kind of tiptoeing around. Come on, church. Is it okay if I talk to you today? If you allow it, if you flirt with it, come on, you're falling. You're falling. See, the battle isn't just on whether or not you engage in the activity. The battle is in whether or not you entertain the activity. Because the moment you entertain the activity, you're going to be giving into the activity. Come on, are you following me? Jesus goes, church, you're allowing Jezebel. What are you thinking? She has no place in the church. She has no place in your thought. She's in your thought. She, has, she should have no place amongst you. But you're just kind of like, oh, I guess we could all coexist. We could just let it be. You know, when Jesus dealt with sin, he always backed it up to this place. He always backed it up. So you always think sin, like sin. Oh, they committed adultery. Jesus goes, yeah, but can we talk about where the battle is actually taking place? Here's what Jesus says. You have heard it said that, I, I, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. There it is. We all know it. Don't commit adultery. But what did Jesus say when he was dealing with the sin of adultery? But I say to you that everyone that looks at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her in his own heart. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Is he's, come on, I'm trying to help you, church. Listen, he backs the battle up to not just the activity, but the thoughts. He backs the battle up to, to whether or not you flee or you flirt. He says, don't allow your thoughts to go there. And friends, listen, that changes the conversation all together, right? Because now all of a sudden, watch, now, I'm not just simply guarding myself from the temptation to do stuff. 
I'm guarding myself from the temptation to think stuff, right? I'm guarding myself from the temptation to, to, to allow stuff. Like, I'm not gonna allow those people in my life anymore. I'm not gonna allow myself to go these, I'm not even gonna allow myself in my, in my life to even go down that road or to think that way. See, God, don't just help me not do it, but God, help me not think it. And in 2 Corinthians, as the worship team comes up, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, it says it this way. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every, what's he say? Come on, help me. Bringing every thought captive, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, taking every thought and submitting it to Jesus. See, the issue in Thyatira was that they allowed. Man, they just allowed this Jezebel. They allowed these thoughts. They allowed this influence. They allow, and Jesus says, you gotta cut out the allowance. So church, to us, the application. Come on, what are we allowing? James says that when we give in and it gives birth to sin, and then he says this, sin when it is full grown brings forth death. And that's what Jesus was telling the church of Revelation. Like, if you keep allowing this, here's what's gonna happen. Like, there's a sickbed coming for you. Your future's gonna be robbed from you. There's, there's, you are literally, come on, in these moments that you think it's not a big deal, it's bigger than you could ever imagine. The whole trajectory of where you're headed changes because of what you're allowing today, it's affecting everything tomorrow. And so Jesus goes, I got so much more for you. Can we just talk about what you're allowing today? Can we deal with what you're allowing today? Can we set you free from what you've been allowing today so you can walk in everything I've got for you tomorrow? If I could boil this all down to one thing, I'd say it's this. Sin gets its power by convincing you that it is good and God is not. Let me say it again, because don't let us go over here. Sin gets its power by convincing you that it is good and God is not. In other words, that it is going to bring about a better solution than what God says. That giving into it Allowing it is actually gonna produce more happiness in your heart and your life than God would. That allowing it would actually produce more, I don't know, resource in your life than, than God wants to. That, that allowing it, and here's, the, here's what happens with sin, is it always tries to convince you that it knows better than God. But here's the, if I could pull the veil back on sin, it always overpromises and underdelivers. It always promises you fulfillment and leaves you more empty than you were before. It always promises you a better future, but actually ends up destroying your future. It always overpromises and underdelivers. So James actually goes on to say, here's how you defeat it. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift actually comes down from above. It actually comes down from God. Here's how to walk in power is to be fully convinced 
that everything that is good for me, everything that is best for me, does not come from any other source than God and God alone. And so I am done then, right, looking to any other source than God and God alone. Church, you stand to your feet with me. It's close. Now, I know today's message was a little heavier. It's a little like, okay, wow. Glad I heard that today. I think it's one of the beauties about walking through portions of scripture. It forces you to deal with things that maybe, man, we don't want to talk about that. I mean, the last two weeks, we're talking about some heavy stuff. But I think that honestly, if you would lean in today and let the spirit of God speak to those places that maybe even while I was talking, you're kind of squirming around, right? You're kind of like, oh, why are we talking about that? If you today would just do it, Jesus is telling the church of Thyatira to do, like stop allowing it and repent from it. You're gonna walk out of here more free than you could ever imagine. The Bible says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. He says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. Bible says, confess your sins and I am faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You see, Jesus wants nothing but freedom in your life. Not to just be free in this moment, but to walk in freedom every single moment. And so here's what I just wanna ask you to do. I, I, I just pray that our church would not be a church that allows the Jezebel type spirit and to say we love God, but then to also bow to other things. That today we say, God, forgive us for bowing our knee to other things. We choose today to worship you, come on, and you alone. Because we are convinced, aren't we? That what is good only comes from him and him alone. Come on, that what is best only comes from him and him alone. What, what future is best for me, what's best for my family, what's, what's best for my marriage, what's best for my kids, what's, what's best for my, my finances, what's best for every aspect of my life does not come from all of the Baals and other pagan gods of this world calling me to worship them. It only comes from God. And so today, come on, if you're with me, God, today I choose to worship you and you alone because you and you alone are good and you and you alone are God. And so Lord, come on, pray with me. We ask that you would wash us and you'd cleanse us, that God, you'd forgive us. Lord, in any place that we have bowed our knee, God, to the temptations and the, the gods of this world, God, today, would you forgive us? Would you wash us? Would you cleanse us? God, we are convinced that you and you alone are good, that you are powerful, that you are God above it all. Lord, we believe in you and we worship you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, come on, church, let's worship together. Let's worship together. I believe in you. You are powerful, God above it all. I believe in
think that some of us today is just we're worshiping. You're just doing business with God, going, God, I'm, just wash me, cleanse me. And I want you to know that when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all grace. Are you guys grateful for God's mercy and grace today in our lives? Amen. And I realize that there may be some of you in here today who have never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you come in here today and all you know is, is I'm just submitting to all these other temptations and pressures of the world. That's all you've ever lived in. But today I want to invite you to have your life changed. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have done our own thing. And the wages of that is death. It's a separation from God in the here and now and one that will last for all eternity if it's not dealt with in the here and now. Well, that's why Jesus came, everybody. Jesus went to the cross and on the cross took upon himself everything we deserve for our sins so that we can be forgiven of our sins and washed and cleansed. And, and some of you need that washing and cleansing for the very first time today. Well, here's what Jesus asked us to do is to repent. It means that we turn from everything we've been walking toward and we choose instead to turn to Jesus. And some of you need to do that for the very first time today. So if that's you, come on, I'd love to lead you in a word of prayer, having a conversation with God where you just today say yes to him. You allow yourself to be forgiven. You allow yourself to be washed. You step into the relationship with him that you've been created to have from the foundation of the world. And so listen, if that's you today, I'd love to lead you in a word of prayer. Come on, will you pray with me, everybody? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all you're doing in our midst, God. And Lord, I just want to pray for anyone in here right now that is far from you, God, that in this moment they would say yes to you. And so listen, if that's you, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. Prayer is going to be talking to God. Come on, I'll give you the words. And you just have this conversation with God. Here's what you say. Say this. Say, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know that you've got more for me. And so today I choose to surrender my life to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me, that you would wash me and cleanse me. And I thank you, Jesus, for rising from the grave to lead me to life. Would you fill me with your spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church. Amen. Let's celebrate with anyone that made that decision today. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives change through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.